Hello, and welcome to episode 84 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. First, if you are listening to this on or near its air date, happy 2020. I hope that you had a wonderful end to last year and to the last decade, and you are ready for this next year to be full of growth and accomplishments and just so much more. And a quick final reminder, I promise this is the last time you'll hear me say that. My course on delegation, Make More Time, Everything a Manager Needs to Know to Delegate Successfully, is now available and enrollment ends on Friday, January 10th. This course is a series of brief lessons, which you can watch or listen to, and then each is accompanied by an activity and a written guide to give you all the information that you need. And like everything I do, it is designed to be highly actionable and easy to integrate into your busy life as a manager. The full course is $79, or you can opt for the course plus, which is $129 and includes two live Q&A calls with me so that we can work through your specific challenges and situation. So head on over to mamieks.com slash delegation to learn more and enroll before the doors shut on Friday, January 10th. Also, if you are a member of the Modern Manager community, you get 10% off of this course, along with access to dozens of other perks like guest bonus offers, episode guides, private and group coaching calls with me, and so much more. You can learn more about membership and join at mamieks.com slash join. Now, today's episode is about project alignment. This has got to be one of my most favorite topics because nobody ever talks about it. My very first iteration of Meteor, my business, actually started by focusing on this exact topic. What I had noticed in the market is that there are tons of good tools for project planning or task planning and management or ongoing task and communication alignment. But there is a huge gap in strategy tools, the tools that support alignment that happens before the work plan. And without this critical step, it is hard to get buy-in, it's hard to align on expectations and understandings, or gather the best thinking to make good decisions. So the tool that I designed into my very first iteration of the business is the same tool that I am going to walk you through today. It is called the Project Profile, and I have used it for years and first learned about it at Gojo, my family's business. So credit goes to the team there that designed it. Now, over the years, I have evolved it to meet my needs, which is a little different than how the current Gojo version is. So I'm just going to share with you today my version and know that you can really take this tool and modify it to meet your team's needs. So let's get to it. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. The project profile is a template that is designed to help you surface the best thinking while simultaneously aligning the team around an initiative or project or goal. I am going to walk through it section by section and then share a few options for the process of how to use this template with your team. As you listen, you might feel like the beginning parts are really obvious, but I ask you to just hang with me and let me get through those parts, which you might find to be more helpful than you think. So if you can avoid skipping forward on them, you should do that. And be sure to hang on because it's the later sections that are really interesting, and that's what makes this tool so powerful. Throughout the walkthrough, I am going to stick with one example to hopefully make it as easy as possible for you to follow along. 
And to keep it fun and make it just super easy and accessible, we're going to focus on the example of planning a company holiday party. I know that is probably not what most of you do. You're probably not event planners, but using an event for this example makes it really easy to make it super tangible and something that anyone can relate to. But remember, this tool works for all kinds of projects, goals, or initiatives. So it doesn't matter if you are a finance team or a social media team or an entrepreneur and it's with a small business. It can work for anything. Okay, here we go. The first part is all about the logistics, right? Just the project or initiative name, the date that you're creating this version, the people involved. So who is the project leader? Who are the team members? Is there a sponsor or a senior leader who's overseeing the project? All of those kinds of basics. And then we get into the context. What is the situation or background for this project? What is the problem it's trying to address? What has already happened that the team should know about? This is where you put anything relevant that will give the group a shared understanding of the current reality. It is amazing how many times a group comes together and not everybody has the same understanding of just where you're getting started from. So that is what the context section is about. Put in things like learnings from past projects that are related, that you'd want everybody to have that same information. You might also include any research that has been done so far, whether that be internal or articles that have been read that have been informing your thinking. Again, this is anything that will help get the team on the same page when you start. So using our example, I would put things like how many employees we currently have and maybe what we've done for the past three years for our holiday parties, plus anything relevant, any learnings that came from those, like what people liked or didn't like in terms of feedback that we received. I might include things like whether we had families attend or just the employees and anything that's already been discussed for this year, like if the CEO has specifically said to do something charitable or if the budget's really tight and so we're gonna have less dollars than we've had in the past. This is probably the only section where I'd say more is better than less because you wanna make sure that everybody has that same shared starting point. The next section is objectives. Why are we doing this? How does it align with the organization's goals? This is the biggest, highest why. Basically, why is the organization investing resources into this work? How will it move the organization forward or make it more effective? For our holiday party, this might be something like building a sense of unity among the staff or providing an opportunity to gather as a full company to celebrate the successes of the past year. When everyone understands that highest level why, you can make sure that all the other decisions fall into alignment. Because the worst thing would be to do a great project that meets its goal, but ultimately doesn't actually move the organization in the direction that it needs to go. Next, we move on to goals and milestones. Now, this is the tactical. What are we going to accomplish and by when? Now, I personally am not a stickler about SMART goals. In my experience, I find that they don't necessarily make the goals any better. But if you like SMART goals, great, do it. Write them that way. And if you don't, that's okay. I tend to focus on making the goals as specific and concise as possible because we're going to have a whole separate section for measures. So this is just that top line goal and when it will be completed and some critical milestones if you already have a sense of what those will be. And those milestones will help the team pace its work appropriately. If you don't know them yet, that is fine. You can always add them later. Now with our example, the goal might be host a festive celebration for the entire staff by December 15th. 
and there might be two critical milestones. The first would be the date the announcement goes out, and the second might be the date when all the vendors have been confirmed. Now, what I like is that this goal is short and sweet. There is minimal room for confusion about what it is that we are actually trying to do, but clearly it is not enough to measure success, and that is totally okay. I have found that teams do much better when they have a clear, concise goal to work towards and separate measures of success, which are much more granular and that can guide their decision-making, which moves us directly into the next section of results or measures of success. This is that list of factors that describe success. And it is helpful to think in different terms like quality, impact, finances. So the questions here are things like, What is the level of quality that is important? How do you define that quality or the specifications that need to be met? What is the impact we're trying to have in the short term or the long term? There might also be measures specifically related to financial success. How much money will be saved by doing this? How much income will be generated? Think about qualitative and quantitative measures. And if you end up with a whole long laundry list, first go through them and decide if they really all need to be there. And if the answer is yes, you still end up with a pretty lengthy list, I suggest you divide them into must-haves and nice-to-haves. The more measures that you have, the more likely you will need to let some of them go or compromise on because as things get complicated, we don't always get to deliver on every expectation. And you don't want to lose sight of what's really important. Hence, the must-haves versus the nice-to-haves, or the criticals and everything else. With our holiday party example again, we might have measures like people leave the party in high spirits, or people really feel appreciated at this event, or we spend no more than $50 per person who attends. We might actually have all three of those as our measures. Now, up until this point, we have covered a lot of what teams may already be talking about but maybe this has provided some deeper thinking or additional nuance. And now comes the fun part, where we get into the areas that come up much less frequently, and it is these things that make this tool so powerful. First up, assumptions. What do we believe to be true, or what must be true in order for us to succeed? This is meant to surface the underlying beliefs, some of which the group may not share, and we will need to all get aligned on, or else we'll be working in different directions. And sometimes it surfaces assumptions that need to be tested because they are make or break for the project, or they're based on the old way of doing things that just isn't relevant anymore. So for our holiday party example, you could imagine a group having different assumptions about what constitutes fun or festive. Maybe some people think that a party with a DJ and dancing and lots of alcohol is gonna be great, while others think a more casual group activity like bowling, or going to watch a sports game would be better. These debates usually arise later on in the project, but if you can push them earlier, they'll save everyone lots of time and energy by setting the team down the right path from the beginning. Another assumption might be that senior leadership believes that a group gathering is what makes everyone feel like they're part of one big family. But what if people actually hate coming to a holiday event for work, and it doesn't make them feel like a family, it makes them feel obligated. If it's really important that people feel like they're part of a family, is a all-company holiday party the best or only way to do it? Maybe smaller events by department would be better. Or maybe it's more important that people feel appreciated rather than feeling like they're part of some big company. So an extra half day off or a holiday gift card from the senior management team would be more appropriate. 
surfacing assumptions isn't always easy. It requires you to step back and reflect on what you're taking for granted, what's already been embedded in your thinking that you need to really push on and explore. But by putting these things on paper, it becomes a starting point for you and the rest of the team to have those conversations. Next up is strategic questions and approaches. These are the group's initial thoughts for how the work is going to unfold. They can be high-level strategies, general approaches, or even specific tactics if they're really important or unusual. I find that listing them as questions first can get the group thinking more easily. So start by brainstorming what questions you'll need to answer in order to move forward. So for our party example, things like, are we going to hire a party planner or do it ourselves? Will this be an evening activity or daytime? Work week or weekend? Will families be invited or just employees? Will we provide a full meal, alcohol, snacks? Do we have dietary restrictions we have to follow? How will we engage people who don't live near the headquarters? Will we fly them in or do something else for them? Should we use the same vendors as last year or find new ones? Once you've got a robust list of questions, the group needs to answer them or agree on how they will be answered if you can't yet decide. For example, if you're not sure about including families because the group has agreed that the first priority is securing a venue and you're not sure if you'll be able to find and afford a place that's large enough. So you've agreed that you'll start by gathering information on spaces that are both smaller and larger. And based on that information, you'll then make a decision on whether or not to include families. The next section is watchouts. This is the chance for everyone to play devil's advocate. What might go wrong? What will stop this project in its tracks or render it useless? What should we pay attention to so that we can avoid common mistakes? What are the potential unintended consequences? You definitely don't want to go crazy and list a whole bunch of things that are so unlikely that they just become clutter on the page. This is supposed to help the team think proactively and strategically. So if you are planning to fly in a whole bunch of people for that holiday party and it's in December, there could be a bad snowstorm. Or if you include an open bar, there may be some people who indulge a little too much. It is those kinds of things that you can then say, all right, we can plan for these. With a potential snowstorm, let's make sure we buy refundable tickets. Or maybe we should stop having a full company party in the winter and instead have one in the spring when the weather is less likely to be an issue. For the bar, maybe we decide to give drink tickets and say two per person rather than a full open bar or we just offer wine and beer and no liquor. What I wouldn't include are things like, the company goes out of business, so we no longer need a holiday party. Unless your company is in dire trouble, that is not a realistic watch out. Up next is resources. What are the resources available to this team to accomplish this goal? And what resources do we need? What is the budget? Which people, who is on the team, who from other departments might we need to reach out to? What software or equipment or space has been designated for the team to use or that we might need to get access to? For our party scenario, I would include the overall dollars we can spend on the event. Maybe list a couple colleagues like someone from marketing who can help us make the invitation, securing the space, a food and beverage vendor, and I'd note that we might need entertainment if it doesn't come with the space. We then move on to stakeholders, which is who will be impacted by this work and what do they need and how might we engage them? This is here to help remind you that at the end of the day, whatever project you're doing will impact other people, so they should be part of your consideration. For the holiday party, we would include all the employees, and we might guess that what they're looking for is to have fun. We might even consider talking to a few of them to get their ideas of what's fun, 
or polling the group with a set of options for activities. We've also got the senior leadership who are overseeing this. And if I'm not sure what they need, I might want to go have a conversation and loop them into the project. Then we've got exclusions and related projects. What is outside the scope of this project? What else is going on that is related, either because it might impact this project or this project might impact it? How might we stay in communication with those so that we can align our work with these other efforts? With our holiday party, maybe separately there is a group that is thinking about the holiday gift to all the employees. We might want to touch base with them to see if they want to distribute the gift at the holiday party, even though the gift itself is outside the scope of this team. I see a lot of teams struggle because there's so many projects that are happening and they often butt up and rub against each other. And when the boundaries aren't always clear, where teams aren't being proactive and thinking about how do we align our team's work and stay in communication so that we don't end up kind of distracting each other or causing challenges for each other, it's a big missed opportunity. So that's why this section is here. And lastly, we have working agreements. How will this team work together? What are we agreeing to? including things like how frequently will we meet? What kind of communication methods are we going to use? How will decisions be made? And any norms that we're agreeing to, like we agree to be open and honest when we disagree and use conflict constructively. This is almost always overlooked, especially when a team works together often. Do not skip this section. It is what makes the ongoing management and collaboration so much easier. Not every project or every team needs the same working agreements, so you want to be specific about what this group thinks will be best for this project. Again, with our party example, we might agree to meet once a week to make decisions, and we might have an expectation that people are going to share information ahead of time so that when we come together, we have all the information in the room already. There are dozens of working agreements that you could make from where you store your documents to who is going to be responsible for looping in external stakeholders and on and on and on. You don't have to go crazy here again, but just write down the ones that are most important for this team and this project. So that is the walkthrough of the project profile template. You will definitely have to move up and down as it is not as straightforward as just answering each section once and then moving on. Lots of times what you put into one section will impact what you have to put into another. So you'll need to kind of pop around and go through it a few times. Now, in terms of generating the thinking that's going to go into this document, I have had great success using two approaches, although I'm sure people have used it in other ways that work for them too. So do not feel constrained to only these two. The first is that one person does a brain dump and it just gets started by filling in some of the content. It can be you as the team leader, but it doesn't have to be. You can also delegate it to someone who has the most knowledge about the goal or initiative. You don't want to delegate it to someone who can't really answer these questions. So do give it some thought. And also be aware that if you are the team leader filling it out first, you always have the risk that people will want to default towards your thinking, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but you want to be aware of it and you want to make sure that you acknowledge it and address it. Otherwise, people might hold back their thinking or only buy into the work superficially, both of which can damage the chances of success. So if you go the route of having one person start a draft, then they should share it with the full group by email and make sure that there's a little preamble that says, I have no pride of authorship. I have no stake in what we ultimately decide as being the right things for this project. This is simply a starting point, and I expect the group to edit and enhance it so that we can all own the final version. Then everyone goes into the document online and comments and edits and asks questions and enhances it. 
And this is also a good time to share it with your boss or a project sponsor to get their input or other people outside the team who might have some relevant information. Then you get together as a team and for about an hour and a half to two hours, work through the document together to resolve any open issues and align on your final draft. The other way that I've had success is when everyone gets together in a room and fills it out real time. You brainstorm together and have conversations about each section as you go and kind of iterate again through the document. This does take a while, usually about four hours, but it is a great way to just jumpstart a new project team and it gives you a chance to build relationships too. Again, as the leader, you do need to be aware of your positional authority in the room so that you don't stifle the thinking or participation. Regardless of how you put the document together, you want to make sure that you bring in other people who have diverse thinking who can help the team be more strategic. The project profile is a fantastic and quick, easy way to get input from a lot of people, your boss, your colleagues in other departments, anyone whose perspective will enhance your own and who you may want to be aligned with as you go. You'll definitely want to leave room for the team to iterate the document at least once after you've collected any additional outside input. Now, this may seem like a lot of work, and honestly, it can be, but it is so worth it. So much of the frustrating misalignments that plague teams once they get going, all that wasted energy and resources and confusion, all of that gets significantly reduced when you have done this kind of thinking upfront, and not just for yourself, but with the full team, so that they are aligned and they feel a sense of ownership over the project. You can always skinny it down if the project is smaller, or if you've gotten an initiative that you undertake regularly, you can actually start from your previous version and edit it based on your new learnings and the updated context. This should not feel like or be seen as a burden. And even if it feels like a big lift for you, you might be surprised to see how the rest of your team actually appreciates it because it gives them a chance to shape the project from the beginning and it gives them the information they need to do their part of the work effectively. So before you jump into your next project plan, pause and do a project profile first. The mini guide for today's episode is the project profile template that I use, and it is available at mamieks.com slash mini guides. The full guide also includes a complete example from one of my own projects, not a holiday party, as well as additional information and a lot of lists of questions and examples and ideas to help you get started with your team. To get the full guide, become a member of the Modern Manager community by going to mamieks.com slash join. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash join. And for $15 a month, you get episode guides and guest bonuses to help you implement all of the learnings from every episode. And when you join, you also get access to all the previous guides and bonuses, and there's so much good stuff in there. If you want just this full episode guide or any other individual episode guide, you can get it at mamieks.com slash store. All of those links are in the show notes, and they're in your inbox along with that free mini guide if you subscribe to my newsletter. Get on that list at mamieks.com slash podcast. Lastly, don't forget this is the last week to register for my course on delegation, make more time, everything a manager needs to know to delegate successfully. The doors close on January 10th and I do not yet know when I will be offering it again. So go to mamieks.com slash delegation to learn more and enroll. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration and teams are at the heart of how we work. 
Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team. I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.